you. Good morning, everybody. All right. My name is Shaza. Like he said, I'm the youth pastor here at The Way, and I have the honor of getting to speak to you guys this morning while Pastor Tim and Teresa are on vacation. Um, and so I'm going to open up in prayer real quick before we start. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this honor to share your word. I thank you for every single individual that's here in this place today, Lord. I pray that you would speak in spite any um, shortcomings of mine and that you would speak your message and your word and your agenda. And I pray that you would just prepare all of our hearts to receive what you have to say. We just surrender this service to your Holy Spirit. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So how many of you guys are like me and my family, and Sunday mornings are always like the most hectic day of the week? Is it just me? I feel like we barely make it out of the house alive. My kids are all like arguing over different things. Um, and so this morning, I knew I had to speak, and so my husband is a saint, and he's always like willing to help with the kids and do whatever's needed. And so I had this game plan that I'd wake up super early, get dressed and ready, and out the door before anybody wakes up. And I was doing pretty good, and so I'm trying to get ready this morning, and our power went out like halfway through straightening my hair. And if any of you ladies have curly hair, you know, like that halfway point, like there's no going back, like you have to like commit. And so I was like, it's cool. I'll leave. I'll get ready at the church. And I get to the MPB and realize there's no like outlets in the bathroom. So I literally got ready this morning, like my makeup and my hair, looking at the like camera of an iPad, like while getting ready. So if you had a hard time getting here this morning and feel a little bit disheveled, you're in good company because me too. Um, so hopefully that makes you guys feel a little bit more settled this morning. Um, so like I said, I'm the youth pastor here at The Way, and so despite having been in ministry for a good portion of my life, I always get incredibly nervous when it comes to speaking, um, so much so that I spent a lot of years in my life convincing myself that I was called to ministry, but maybe not preaching. And so I even had somebody when I was, in, um, when I was younger that kind of, after I spoke one time, was like, it's okay, not everyone's called to speaking. And I was like, oh, cool, <laughs> like, check. And then I heard one of my favorite heroes in the faith, Christine Kane, share a very similar story. And that those of you who know her know she's, like, phenomenal. And so I just kind of took that encouragement and decided that even if things are uncomfortable for me and things are difficult for me and things are scary or I may not be the best, that I want to choose to say yes to every opportunity that the Lord gives me. And so despite me being a little bit nervous today, I hope you guys give me lots of grace, but I do really feel like the Lord has a message for you guys this morning, and I pray that he can speak that despite any shortcomings of mine. Um, so anyways, kind of on that topic of saying yes to things that are sometimes difficult or challenging, I'm in one of the mentorship groups that we have, and they're amazing. I've really enjoyed it. If you have not done it this last session, I 100% encourage you to be a part um, in the next round that they're getting ready to do in a few months. But we just finished a book called The Best Yes. And what's cool is I'm, I'm kind of a procrastinator. I know that's not like the best thing to brag on. But what was cool is that I was kind of panicking this month because I have my mentorship meeting after service today. And I was like, shoot, I got to like read or listen to that book. I got to write a whole sermon. And I originally kind of was leaning in a different direction for our message. And one day while getting ready, I just felt the Lord put a verse in my head, in my mind. And I really felt like that's what I needed to share. And then literally like two or three days later, I started reading our mentorship book. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> like it kind of goes um, side to side. And so the book is called The Best Yes. And basically the premise of that book was that we... Um, how many of you guys are like, yes, people, people pleasers, like hate saying no to people. I was like that for a lot of my life. And then, um, I'm a little bit better at it now. I'm still not great. It's a hard line to balance, but the premise of the book is that we don't want to spend our lives saying yes to the wrong things 
because that'll keep us from saying yes to the things that God has for us and the best things. Does that make sense? But a lot of the book kind of focused more on the learning to say no portion, but I don't know if it was because I already had this message in my heart. I just kept thinking as I'm reading the book, I kept getting excited and dreaming about all the yes things that God has for us because I think we have to be really careful. I shared before, I, I'm, I'm like a notorious, was a notorious yes person where I would just say yes to anything and everything. I hated letting people down. And then I hit a period of burnout and right, there was a season where I needed to say no. Does that make sense? But I think if we're not careful, we could get so caught up in that season of saying no that we start to say no to everything. And the whole reason we want to say no to the wrong things is that so we can say yes to the right things. Does that make sense? And so I had found myself in a little bit of a season where it had just become really easy to say no. No, because I'm too busy. No, because I'm scared. No, because I don't feel like I'm good enough. No, because I would just rather be comfortable. You know, insert whatever. And so kind of like trying to wrestle and figure out what's that, like, what's that holy in between of like saying no to the wrong things, yes to the right things. It really had me thinking like in my life, I'm 34 years old, in my life, how many of those God yes opportunities have I said no to without even meaning to because I was saying yes to all the wrong things? Does that make sense? Um, and so when we first started, my husband and I, when we decided to do the youth group here, we felt the Lord calling us and we accepted I ran into this quote that I've kind of made, I've chosen to make kind of my like mantra. It's kind of a long quote, but I'm going to read it to you guys. And it's by Nicole Smithy. And she says, I look back at my formative years in ministry, and I can honestly say that I learned more from saying yes than I've ever learned from a textbook or a seminar or a conference. Nothing replaces actual experiences. In my early 20s, I wasn't the brightest person in the room. I wasn't the most talented person in the room. I wasn't the most charismatic person in the room. And I wasn't the most polished person in the room. And truthfully, I'm usually still not, and that's a good thing. But I was the person who would say yes to whatever opportunity got thrown my way to do good and to grow in the process. The yes moments of my life taught me to do things afraid, to not back away from a challenge, to invest in people, and to dream big. The yes expanded my capacity, humbled my ego, developed my strengths, strengthened my faith, refined my self-awareness, and cultivated my resilience. Many times I found myself saying yes while wondering how I was going to do the thing that I just committed to. Has anyone else been there? That's like my life, I feel like. But that's the fun of it. Yes demands you to eliminate excuses, to grow, to learn, to try, and at times even fail. But most of the time, you end up surprising yourself and empowering others. Yes is a wild ride, and it's one worth taking every now and again. So go ahead and say yes. Pray and do what's right, but never wait until you figured it all out and have enough resources to put yourself out there and dare greatly. Perhaps your greatest breakthrough and brilliance and contributions in life are on the other side of a simple yes. And so as I was thinking, you know, about this book that I'm reading, the verse that the Lord put on my heart, this quote, I really just started to kind of evaluate my life. Does that make sense? Um, have you guys seen Tim do that like rope illustration in church before where he's got like the super long rope and it's like a tiny portion of it is taped off and that represents our life here on earth and like the rest is eternity. And I was thinking about my portion of the rope, however long that might be. Some people's are longer, some are shorter. Um, and I was asking myself, like, if I were to evaluate or somebody else were to come and evaluate my life, what would they say that my portion of the rope was about? Like, what have I spent my life on? Because we're all given one life, right? We're given a certain amount of days, minutes, hours, you know, weeks, months, years. What have I spent that portion of my life on? And so um, in evaluating that, I just really, I was a little bit... Um, 
I was a little bit humbled and like taken back, like, man, like I really have like, how much of my life have I wasted on things that are so insignificant, you know? And so today, the verse that I'm mostly going to talk about, um, and just to show my humanity a little bit, when I felt like the Lord gave me this verse, I kind of was like, oh, can I have something a little bit cooler, something a little bit more, um, like this is a, a verse that oftentimes we hear, even when I was sending my verses to Rich and Deb, I was like, God, is there like any other verse that I can like, you know, season this with or make it a little bit cooler or deeper? And the Lord really convicted me because if you're like me and you've grown up in church, there's like promises and commands and scriptures that we have just taken for granted, right? And we think we've mastered them because they're so simple or we've heard them all the time. But truly, if we look at our lives, like we're not living out these simple verses. And so I really feel like it's something that I wanted to to, um, I don't want to make light of it. Does that make sense? So if you're like me and you've sat in a service where it's a verse you've heard a million times, I want to challenge you not to tune it out and just be like, oh, I've heard this message before. I've heard this. But truly like take it as a magnifying glass or like a mirror of your life and ask, am I living that out? So if they want to go ahead and put up our first verse, we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Um, and it's Paul talking and he's saying, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will last, or that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that I have preached to others. I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Um, how many of you guys, so the two, there's like two like lines in here that really, um, resonate with me. And it was when he was talking about run like someone, I don't want to run like someone running aimlessly and I don't want to fight like a boxer beating the air. How many of you guys can relate with me? And sometimes that's what your life feels like. It's like task after task and emergency and this person needs you and that person. And I sometimes feel like at the end of my day, like I've just spent my life running around and I'm like, what have I accomplished? Like I haven't yet, I literally will go weeks and realize I haven't even sat down sometimes during the day until my husband gets home when I'm with my kids. And I, and I look at my life and I'm like, what do I have to like count for that busyness, for that, like that rushing, that like striving, that doing. And so he's saying, we don't want our lives to be spent like that. You know what I mean? Like day in, day out, like the hustle, the grind, the, you know, like, like it's almost robotic. Does that make sense? Or maybe it's just me, but I feel like I live oftentimes in like a state of like chaotic frenzy with just everything that's expected of me. Um, but, um, Saying that, a lot of times when you read this verse, what they talk about um, is typically the endurance of our Christian walk, right? Like most of the times when we hear this passage, it's talking about like run the race, like don't give up, like keep going, all of those things. And we are going to talk about that a little bit later. But the key thing I want to talk about is if someone were to, like if our life is a race, right? We're all, we're all in a race. The question's not, are we in the race of life? It's what are we running towards? Because truly we're all getting older every single day, whether we like it or not. We're all going towards the finish line, towards eternity. But in, I don't want to just focus on like the way that we run the race, but what are we running for? And it's really easy to flippantly be like, oh, I'm running for Jesus. Like I'm, you know, running my, my life so that I can stand before him one day and hear, you know, good, well done, good and faithful servant, or I'm running to serve others or to grow or to like make sure my family knows Jesus. It's really easy to say that with our mouth, right? But if we were to literally look at the minutes of our day 
If we were to look at the thoughts, where our money goes, where our heart, like all of those things, like, is that truly in the direction in which we're spending and running our lives? I know, and I, I even wrestled with the Lord a little bit. This is silly, but I was like, okay, God, like, is this just for me because I'm in ministry? And no, like, we're literally given the great commission in scriptures. The two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and then to love others. Like, this isn't just for those in ministry. And I want my life so badly to just be you know, eternally kingdom-minded. Does that make sense? Like even little decisions, like we bought a van last, last uh, I guess last year and you're going to make fun of me, but one of my only like prerequisites is I wanted the eight-seater van, not the seven-seater van. And it's not because I have eight people in my family, but because that eight-seat represented a kid that I could bring to youth group. When we were buying our house, we loved our house, our neighborhood. And we looked at so many other floor plans and the house that won our heart wasn't the, I mean, it's a beautiful house. It's got lots of beautiful features. But when I walked into it, it, our bedrooms are actually smaller than the ones in our old house. But I saw a huge living room where I could fill it with students and with people and people that could be ministered to. And so I realized how many decisions do we make every single day that should be able to impact the kingdom, but we make them so flippantly. We do it with ourself in mind and our comfort in mind and our, does that make sense? Like our, whatever's easiest or what's, what's, we don't even make, make them thinking anything, honestly, half the times. And I think about how many moments with the Lord have I missed because it was easier just to sit and watch Netflix or how many people needed to hear the, hear the gospel, but I was too busy doing my checklist. Does that make sense? Or doing everything that I needed to do today. And it's so humbling and so because we hear passages like this. Like we're supposed to be running our life like this race, running towards the prize of knowing the Lord more, knowing him deeper, making him known. And we can like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, like I'm doing all of these things, but truly like ask yourselves, am I really? Are my minutes, are my hours, are my days, are my pennies, are my dollars, are everything that I'm building this life for, are they to advance the kingdom? Are they to know God more? Are they to make him known more? Um, and I don't know that, I mean, I don't even know that I can always say that, truly. And that's where I'm trying to really shift my perspective and my heart and my, um, my mindset. And so the goal, the problem is a lot of the things we're striving for, if you're like me and you're looking at your life, what's consuming you, a lot of my life is spent um, on my marriage, on my kids, and it is on ministry, and it is, you know, on all these other things. And a lot of these things are noble, right? Like some of them are even biblical goals. It's good to have, you know fiscal, like, um, to be financially stable. You know, even those are biblical principles and proverbs. We don't want to be in debt. We don't, you know, want to be borrowers to people. It's good to be, you know, investing in our families. It's good to be doing all these things. The problem is that those things need to come as an overflow of our relationship with the Lord. And oftentimes we do the opposite. We thank God and we go to God when the finances are good, when our family is good, when our marriage is good. And what happens when any of those things crack or crumble or fail or someone gets sick or money's not coming in or someone loses a job or there's a hiccup, we crumble because we've made that our foundation. We've made that our prize. And so as humbling as this is, I think many people will get to the end of their lives and they will have been in what their eyes thought were good people. They've invested in their families and their spouses and their jobs and all of these great things. But none of those like save us of our sins. None of those take us into eternity. And how disheartening would it be to literally stand there at the end thinking we lived an okay life when we've missed it. We've missed that Jesus is the only one that saves. Jesus is the only one that redeems. He's, you know, his will for us trumps anything that we could come up with on our own, you know? And I think that we just take that so for granted. 
And I think it's really, it's easy to be deceived, you know? There's a quote, um, I just recently did a mentorship with um, Jeannie Mayo, and one of the things she said that really shook me was that if the devil cannot get you to forfeit your calling and your purpose in life, I'm sorry, if he cannot steal your calling and purpose in life, he'll get you to forfeit it yourself. And I think that's what a lot of us are doing is we've allowed the busyness, we've allowed the distractions, we've allowed the comfort to literally cause us to forfeit the things that God has for us. And it's not that he needs you to hustle and strive and do all this because he wants you working for him. He wants you to fall deeply and madly in love with him. And I'm telling you as somebody who has lived it that way and lived it in my own strength, it is so much more fulfilling when I'm stri- like when I'm running this race with him versus just doing what I have set before me to do. Does that make sense? And so he's wanting you, he's wanting to do things in you and with you, not just having you like do things for him. Um, there is, um, a passage that I wanted to read and I'll actually read that in a minute. Um, another thing I just wanted to add to is that, um, again, I know this seems like a really, really basic concept before I get to this next passage, but I want to ask you guys, if we were truly living this out, would our lives not look differently? Even during worship, we were singing the one song and it talked about like, you'll raise, you know, you'll heal the sick again. Like you'll, I'm bad with remembering lyrics and I'm literally standing there and I'm thinking like, do we really believe it? Like as we're singing it, if we truly believe that, I feel like the temperature, like the, the climate in this room would be so different, right? And so, and I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of singing the songs, reading the scriptures, walking through the motions. And I have to ask myself, am I really living for this? Do I truly believe it? Because if I did, I'm telling you, my family would look different. My neighbors lives would look different. My coworkers' lives would look different. Our youth, I mean, our whole lives would look different. And can you imagine what would happen if we as Christians like lived this way, lived with so much like focus and perspective and just a hunger to run towards the things of God, the way we run towards everything else. And so a little while ago, we had a staff um, prayer night and Lacey um, shared this passage in the message for translation. It's Romans 9. And it says, How can we sum this up? All those people who didn't seem interested in what God was doing actually embraced what God was doing as he straightened out their lives. And Israel, who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, they missed it. How could they miss it? And this is the part that literally was like a knife in my heart. It says, because instead of trusting God, they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them. And like a huge rock in the middle of the road. And so they stumbled into him and went sprawling. How many of you guys can relate with that little line? Instead of trusting God, they took over and they were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. I think that if we're honest, and I think if the church as a whole were honest, I think too many of us can relate with that. We say we trust God with our mouth, but we're striving, we're hustling, we're trying to control, we've got our own plans. One of the most um, best pieces of advice that was ever given was a few months ago by my friend Amy. And I was in a season of just, like, I had a lot to do. And it was mostly ministry, truly, like ministry in my family, two very biblical, you know, important things. And she, and I'm a, I'm a list person. I am naturally like a hot mess. I like forget everything. If you look at my phone, I've got a million alarms, literally each day reminding me what to do, because if not, I'll forget. And so I make lists for everything just because I need them to remember. And she had said, um, in the morning, 
And another thing, I'm not a morning person. Anyone in here, like, so much not a morning person that my husband, who's also not a morning person, has had to become a morning person. I have coffee when I wake up in the morning. He truly, honestly helps the kids get ready most mornings more than even I do because I just am worthless in the morning. And so I have grown up hearing, well, you need to read your Bible in the morning. You need to pray in the morning. And I'm like, no, I'm my best in the evening. Like, that's when I'll read. That's when I'll pray. And it's it truly, you can read your Bible anytime. But I really have realized that when I at least start the morning off with some sort of, like, time with the Lord, my day goes completely better. And so this was the advice she gave me is instead of making my to-do list every morning, wake up and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do today? You can bring him your list. You can, you know, let him know, like, these are the things that I've set aside. What is like your, your heart, like your goal for me today? And I'm telling you, that sounds so simple, but it was such a game changer for me because then I walked through that day with purpose. I walked through that day with intentionality. I walked through that day with like um, a confidence knowing like, I, you know, I, I know my purpose today. Nothing is worse than living life without purpose. Can I just tell you that? Like I've had seasons of not even really knowing like who I am or what I'm supposed to do. And man, that sucks. Like that's terrible. And so I'm telling you that if you are living that way, when you surrender to the Lord, you're not losing anything. You're not like, like you're not like, I think a lot of people think like, well, if I surrender my life to God, I have to give up things. I have to give up. No, you're gaining identity. You are gaining purpose. You are gaining passion. You are gaining confidence. You are gaining like the Holy Spirit's power inside of you. You have somebody that goes before you. I mean, it is literally, you're not losing anything. You're gaining the whole world. You're gaining something that I don't even know how to put into words. And so knowing that, it has really changed how I, how I go through everything. Does that make sense? And I still don't get it perfect. But I mean, how many of us can even say that? I couldn't. I was in ministry for years and I couldn't say that I woke up every single morning and was like, God, what's your will for me today? Like, what do you want me to accomplish today? Are you guys with me so far? Um, and so... Um, in sharing this, I want to pause for a second before I go to my next point. I'm always careful with messages like this because I don't ever want it to come across as like legalistic or I don't want to like cast shame or anything on people. But um, I just think that we can, I think that there has been like a shift in a pendulum and I think it's with a lot of things. I think a lot, there can be seasons where people are very legalistic and so we shift so far and we abuse grace. And I feel like there's been pendulums where um, you know, you say yes to everything all the time and you shift and you're saying no to everything all the time, right? And we've got to find where we're walking with the Lord. And in the same way, I think that we can ignore scriptural truths that are so important, right? Because we're so scared of stepping on toes or we're so scared of ruffling feathers or offending anybody. And I, I'm going to read this. I wasn't planning on it, but um, this morning when I was reading just my own, we do a devo like a devotional plan with our youth leaders um, and it was in Hebrews, and it says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. And this isn't for us that like make, you know, like we're following God, we mess up. But this, and then I had read something yesterday and it was talking about, you know, have you guys in Revelation, it talks about you be either hot or cold because the God will spit out like lukewarm out of his mouth. And it was, I guess Francis Chan had written something talking about how there's not really any lukewarm Christians. Like you can't be a Christian and be lukewarm. And these things like convicted me to my heart, not even just for me though, but I started weeping this morning because I was like, how many people have we been too afraid to preach like these messages to that we're allowing to not experience like the true redemptive power of God's grace? 
Does that make sense? And so it's not saying you have to be perfect. I am far from perfect. I am a hot mess. Listen, but it's if we continue to know, like to knowingly, without any type of remorse, any type of desire to change, like that's not the gospel. The gospel brings change into our lives, right? The gospel comes to set us free from the sin, not to make excuse for us to continue living in it. And I really believe that we are just in a culture that has just... And I've seen it in my own life. We've become so apathetic, so apathetic about the things of God. And a couple of weeks ago, we were doing in the deeper series, the Lord had asked me to fast something for a year. Fasting doesn't always have to be food. It's something that takes up a lot of my time. And I, my immediate response with God, that is crazy. <laughs> like nobody, like this is like ridiculous. Like no one fasts this like for a year. And the Lord immediately responded, the people that will see revival are the ones who are willing to do radical things and walk in radical obedience and do things that are different and set apart than anyone else. And again, that shook me to my core because I, in that moment, I wasn't ready. I was like, no, this is like insane. Like only Amish people do this. Like this is like crazy. Like in 2021, you don't, you know, like give up these things. And, but it's true. Anyone that you see in scripture or when we see, have you ever just seen someone who's so on fire for the Lord and you can just, you know, they're anointed. I, I promise you that that doesn't happen by accident. That is intentional daily obedience and surrender and like, and just falling at the feet of Jesus saying, have your way, have your way. And that's what I want. You know, I'm not always there. And that's what I want for you guys. That's what I want for our church. That's what I want for the church globally is I want to see people changed. I want to see lives changed. I want to see, but we're, it's not going to happen if we're lazy and if we're asleep and if we're just doing our own thing. Does that make sense? And so um, I am going to touch one more. The next point I have is some of you guys, I've also, I've been in seasons where I've sat in messages like this and instead of feeling empowered, it has just made me feel even more like exhausted um, I don't know if anyone in here is in a season like this, but I've been in seasons where I feel like I'm doing, I'm walking in obedience, I'm following the Lord, and I'm giving him everything I have, and I just feel empty. Does that make sense? And I'm like dredging along. And so another thing that I really took away from this mentorship group is um, the lady that I was doing my youth pastor mentorship with had been in, I believe it's, she's been in ministry 50 years, and I'm pretty sure all of it has been youth ministry which I don't, 50 years is a long time, <laughs> a long time. And I don't know what the, stati the statistics are now, but when I was in Bible college, I believe that it was most youth pastors typically don't stay in a church longer than two years. And I believe it was only a few more years longer than that, that they typically stay in youth ministry in general. And this is a woman who has been in youth ministry for 50 years through having kids through, and her husband was, a, I think, a senior pastor for most of it. So it wasn't even like he was there doing youth ministry with her per se. And when she was asked what had sustained her for those 50 years, she quoted, um, she quoted I think it was, it was William, yeah, William Carey, who's the father of, father of modern missions. His life, if you look at his story, has just been through, I mean, a story of like tragedy, like failure, poverty, all kinds of stuff. And then he ended up, you know, being the father of modern missions. And close to his death, knowing that people would write about him, he said that he wanted to be known for one thing. And this is what Jeannie Mayo had said. And the statement was that I can plod. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> like plot is like a farmer term. Like, what is that? And so the definition of plot is a slow, heavy walk. And so as she said that and shared about that, I realized that a lot of times 
we can want our faith walk to be either like smooth and steady, right? Or a constant high. And I don't think, like, I'm not a runner, as you can tell, but typically when you have a marathon, you're not sprinting the entire time. The importance isn't that you're sprinting the whole time, it's that you're consistently not stopping and you're consistently moving in the right direction. Does that make sense? And pacing yourself. And I think that this is even a biblical principle because we look in Psalms and we see David and there's highs and there's lows, you know, mountains and valleys. We see it in so many other people's lives. And so the importance of this is some of you might be in a season where you're having to plod. And as long as you're not giving up and you're staying faithful and consistent, I promise there's a mountain on the other side of that. But I think the key is that we have to continue to plod. We can't stop. We can't get sidetracked and go in a different direction. We can't go back. We have to continue that slow, heavy walk forward. And that looks like daily pursuing God when it doesn't feel like it, daily obedience when you really don't feel like obeying, like constantly showing up, constantly. And I get it. Like it, it may be a really crappy season, but I'm telling you that if you can get Get through those seasons, man, there's a mountaintop on the other side. Along with that, though, I do want to share that every season of your life is not intended to be applauded. And so that's not God's will for you. And so if you are finding yourself in like multiple seasons of this, then I think that it's it's time to reevaluate. And I've been there. Again, I have like lived in these seasons where I'm like, God, I'm trying to be faithful. God, I'm trying to be obedient, but I'm miserable. I think the first, when I first took on our youth group here, I was working full time and then found out immediately after I was pregnant. I think I quit with Brady. Like how many times, how many Wednesday nights did I call after and was like, I quit. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. And the next morning I'm like, never mind. I'm still supposed to do this. Like that, I mean, that was a plodding season for me, but it, What's dangerous is sometimes we can get too comfortable in that because it's, as much as it's miserable, it's comfortable. Does that make sense to just kind of stay there because it maybe doesn't require as much of you because it's easy to make that excuse of like, well, I'm in this season, so that's why I'm I'm not doing more or accomplishing more or walking in more. And so I'm going to share one more verse with you guys, and it's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And a couple of things that this says is literally throw out everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and keep our eyes on Jesus. And the key is if you're trying to do this faith thing in your own strength, it's not going to work. Like it's, it's just not, you're, there's too much like that. What's that quote? That's like, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. That's a hundred percent not true. The Lord is constantly giving me things that are more than I can handle, but they're not more than he can handle. And the thing is we get burnt out, not because we're doing too much. It's because we're doing too much in our own strength. The Lord has called us to live full and active lives for him. He's not calling us to just sit on the sidelines and just show up on Sunday mornings. He's calling us to live out our purpose and our calling but we cannot do it in our own strength. And I think a lot of times, yeah, we're plotting because it's a tough season, but I think a lot of times we're plotting because we're allowing sin in our life, honestly, or we're allowing laziness or idolatry or comfort. And this is this is me. I really had to sit down and evaluate my life during part of this season. And I brought somebody else into my life to speak things in that I couldn't see. And I asked the Holy Spirit, God, show me the areas in my life that are hindering my walk with you. God, show me the areas in my life that are hindering my ministry. Lord, show me the areas of my life that are keeping me from like pursuing you as my prize, pursuing, seeing people saved as my prize. And like, show me these things. 
Because it's a lot, I, mean, I don't love correction. I don't think anyone really loves to be told like, hey, like you need, but if there's no correction, there's no growth, right? If we're not willing to see the things that are uncomfortable in our lives to change, there's not going to be growth. And so I think it's really important that while there are seasons, listen, there are seasons that we have to keep plodding forward. Don't stay in those seasons longer than you have to. Not even just for you, but for everyone around you, because the Lord is wanting to do really great things in and through you. And I mean, I don't want to miss out on those things. Um, And so my last point that I want to share with you guys today is what every single person's race is like individual to them, right? One of the worst things we can do is get caught up in comparing because if I'm trying to run Debbie's race, they won't let me ever lead worship here. It's really like a bummer. I don't know why. I'm a great singer. Um, If I'm trying to run Debbie's race, you know, like that's not my race. Like I should never lead worship ever. Like I'm really a terrible singer. Brady's race is not my race. I'm not really, you know, I should not run our finances ever. (laughs) Like absolutely ever. Those are two things that are not for me. I can't compare myself with the youth pastor at Victory or at the youth pastor at Life Church. Or you know, I can't compare myself. I have to run my race. I can't compare my parenting to somebody else's parenting. I can't compare my marriage to someone else's marriage. Like I'm running my own race. But this is the part that I really want you guys to, to realize is while our race is specific to us, it's not ever only about us. And so a lot of times we can choose to say in seasons that are not good for us, or we can choose to shy away from the things the Lord has for us. And we think, well, I'm not hurting anybody else. You know, it's just on me. No, the people in your life, there are people who need you running your race with, pur- race with purpose and with like just the power of the Holy Spirit in you. There's another, I'm going to read you guys one more quote that really shook me. And it's talking about parents as children, but truly you can like fill in children with anybody in your life. And it says, if you teach your children that God's promises are trustworthy, but live as though they are not, what do you think they're going to end up believing? If you tell your kids that God is worth sacrificing for, yet you never make any sacrifices for his sake, how do you think they will respond? The frightening truth is that we could say all of the right things to our children or anybody in our life, our coworkers, our spouse, whoever, and yet they, we renounce it with our lifestyles. And so this is like sobering for me. I've got three kids, but I have teenagers watching me. I've got, you know, family members. I have loved ones. I've got friends. Like I could say all of the right things with my mouth and completely renounce it with my lifestyle. I could say that, you know, God is great and I can trust him and then not actually apply any trust in my life. I can say, God, I will sacrifice anything for you. And then when he asks me to be like, nope, that's too scary. (laughs) Anything but that. And I've, I mean, I've walked through these seasons where I'm like, okay, God, if you say so, we literally, this market is crazy for those of you that don't know. And Ryan and I both thought we were supposed to list our house with literally no clue where to live while I was quitting my job. And I'm like, but God, and I had so many people be like, well, you should have waited till you found something or this or that. And all I could say is what God told us to, like we prayed and we knew, and there was moments that I was like, I may end up, you know, in an apartment or wherever for a while, but like, all I know is I have to obey, not just for me, but because my kids are watching me obey. My kids are watching me do scary things. Our youth are watching us do things that don't make sense. And I really truly believe that so many of us are missing out on the beautiful things of God because we're too scared to completely surrender everything to him. Because again, we're scared we're going to lose out. We're going to miss out. It's too scary. It's too much. It's too this. It's too that. And he's on the other side. Like he has everything for us that are way just... 
I mean, abundantly better than anything that we could even dream or imagine are the things that he has for us. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean there's not rough seasons. It doesn't mean it's going to look the way that we want it to look, but we can trust him, guys. And I really believe that the Lord has so much in store for every single person in this room and every single person in your lives. And it's, I truly believe that sometimes it's just on the other side of our best yes. Does that make sense? And so I want to close with this. Um, I want you to just stop and truly like think, be honest with yourself because it's something I I learned a long time ago is there's no point in lying to ourselves. That gets us nowhere, right? I think self-awareness is huge, but what's even better than self-awareness is allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you that you don't even know about yourself. And so in just a couple seconds, I'm going to finish up. Um, I want you to ask yourself, but then also ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things in your life that are hindering you running towards the ultimate prize. Ask yourself, if you're being honest with yourself, what is the prize that you're running for? At the end of your life, when you're standing... So I don't know who here grew up Assemblies of God, but I grew up doing a thing called fine arts. Um, And back when I did fine arts, there was like three things that everyone did. It was like human videos to the champion, to Jesus freak. And then there was this (laughs) skit that we did for like missions trips, and it was called the What Could Have Happened Room. So like, this is like lame and not really probably biblical, but when I picture the end of my life, I think of that skit where it's like somebody died, they're standing with an angel, and they're playing out like all the different scenarios of their life on this like big screen TV. And it's like the what they actually did versus what could have happened if. And it was supposed to be like silly and funny, but that's what I picture. Like I picture the end of my life, and I'm standing there in my life. Life is on this big screen. If, if your life were to play on that screen, like what is the prize that you're running towards? At the end of your life, you get to that finish line. Is it that you really were awesome at your job? Is it that you had a big old bank account and a beautiful house? Or you, and I love fun. Listen, my husband's pet peeve is that I want to like book vacations. All, all I want to do is just go stay at hotels and be on vacation and have fun. And I never want to like actually do things here. Like I love fun. But at the end of my life, I don't want fun to be the only thing that I have like to bring to the feet of Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, it's great. We should have a fun life. We should invest in our kids, all of those things. But let that be from the overflow of a life surrender to the Lord, of intimacy with Jesus, of trust with Jesus. And then I promise that as you, as you are taking all of that in, that's going to be what flows out of you. That's going to be the thing that the, like, well, your kids are drinking from your spouse, your coworkers, everyone else, um, But I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes and just to really ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, what am I truly running for? What am I running for? What is my prize? At the end of my life, if nothing were to change today, if you were to leave everything the same today, what would be the prize you would get at the end of that race? And if it's anything other than a deeper relationship with the Lord and soul saved and people coming to know him, guys, we're running the wrong race. We're running towards the wrong prize. That prize isn't going to go with us into eternity. And so I'm going to pray for three separate um, people in a minute. And I'm going to ask, first of all, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this might be the first time that you've heard a message like this or even heard Jesus, or maybe you've just been wrestling with it for a while. Will you slip up your hand today? Because I don't want to assume that everyone in this place is saved. I'm telling you, Jesus is for you. He loves you. He has literally paid the ultimate price for us and no one else will do that and yet we continue put him to put him on the back burner if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior will you split up slip up your hand second is if you're sitting here tonight and you're recognizing that your priorities are a little bit mixed up and you're running towards the wrong prize or you're running the wrong race or you just have lost sight of what the prize is will you slip up your hand
And then lastly, maybe you have been, you have your eye on the prize. You are walking one foot in front of the other, trying to walk in obedience, but you found yourself in a season of plodding that you feel like maybe has gone on too long. And you want to see an end to that. You want to be able to run with passion and tenacity and um, just everything that the Lord has for you. Will you slip up your hand? I'm going to close in prayer. And then um, Debbie's going to sing for a little bit in Rich. And then we'll have some people up here in case anybody wants us to partner with you in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. I thank you that we don't run this race alone. I thank you that you go before us. You make a way for us. You've sent your Holy Spirit to empower us, Lord. I pray that anyone in here that may not know you would come to have a relationship with you. They would know you as both Lord and Savior. I thank you for everyone in this room that has recognized that they've maybe gotten knocked off course. They're running the wrong race or towards the wrong prize. And I pray that you would set our feet in alignment to your path, Lord God, that you would refix our eyes, that our eyes would be fully focused on you and the things you have for us. Lord God, I pray that you would quiet anything else that is in our ears, bickering for like attention or trying to to knock us off course, Lord. I pray for those that have forfeited their callings and their identities and their purpose for things that are lesser, Lord, that you would just be able to set your children back on the right path, Lord God. As sons and daughters of God who are called by you and loved by you and that you would just empower them, Lord God. And then I pray for anyone right now who's in a plotting season, who is being faithful and is trying to stay the course. Lord, I pray right now that you would bring a new season for them. I pray that if there's things in their lives that they need to get rid of or need attention, Lord God, that you would bring their attention to those things. You would surround them with people to lift them up, Lord God. And I just pray for that season to come to an end where they would be able to go full force into the things that you have for them. Holy Spirit, come. In your precious name we pray. Amen. If you guys could stand, we're going to end with a song. But I really want to encourage you guys in this moment. She's getting ready to sing. Don't let these lyrics just be like lyrics that we sing. Truly allow it to be something that like goes deep inside of your heart and penetrates and changes and becomes our lifestyle.